0: Kevin Bowen here. Don't forget to listen to The Fan now on 93.5 or 107.5 FM. And check out our latest coverage online at 1075thefan.com. We're back. Another edition of Kevin's Corner. More importantly... Our man has survived Bourbon Street, survived the Superdome. The gold and purple of LSU, Joey Molinaro, is back in studio, running on fumes, got in late last night, but he is here, and um, man, what a 48 hours for you, Monday night, national title game, all of our listeners know that, but if they don't, that's where you were. Yeah, man, it was, uh, I
1: mean, just like you growing up, watching probably every national championship game, worshiping college football. I mean, that's that's kind of a, a mecca bucket list type of deal. So be able to have the chance to go down there and, and do it the way that I was able to do it was unreal and just so fun. And I'm really, really uh, blessed, I guess.
0: For sure. Dropping oh, yeah. that word. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things in our jobs, we, we are sometimes afforded just unbelievable opportunities and I feel like there is a moment when you get in those arenas, stadiums, where you do just have that pinch yourself sort of moment. And I'm sure for you, whether it was, I mean, being in the same building as Drew Brees or the President of the United States or like the magnitude of that. I've never been to a national title game. I mean, that's certainly something yeah. on my bucket list. But yeah, like these are really freaking cool for a person that's. You know, twenty six years old. Or old you. Are.
1: Yeah, it was. It was the loudest stadium I've ever been in, too. Yeah, it was. I mean, especially in the first half. I mean, there was times when LSU was on defense that, it, I mean, you literally to the person next to me in the suite. Right. We try to talk to each other, and it was just not even worth it. I mean, it's also
0: it. on my bucket list to go to an SEC football game. I would love to go, even before kind of LSU had this season. I always thought Death Valley. I always thought going to an LSU home night game would be just unbelievable because, I mean, you saw it firsthand on Monday night. They just care about football. (laughs) We think, you know, we think the Colts have a passionate fan base, and I think they do. Like, SEC fans – they're freaking crazy.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's what everybody talks about with Indiana and basketball. You know, this is that—that's what it is for. But for I, LSU I, think crazy. Yeah, right. I mean, for Bama, for LSU, for right. all the school. I mean, hell, even a school like, you know, Mississippi State or Ole Miss. The, for you sure. That—that struggle pretty regularly here recently. Mm-hmm. It's—it's it's a religion.
0: Yeah, I mean, think about the SEC West coaches. You know, Orgeron yep. and yep. Sabin and Jimbo Fisher and now, Mike Leach and Lane Kiffin and. Oh my god, I love it! I yeah, love it. I ah, can't wait. And you mingled a little bit with Drew Brees, Alvin Kamara. Look like I mean, yeah,
1: man, it was. Um, yeah, I was telling you about it a little bit earlier, but but just for the listeners, it was it was pretty wild. So Drew Brees was a couple suites down from us, and at the beginning of the night before the game even started, he wanted to come and bring his kids to talk to Dude Perfect, those dudes who do the, you know, those trick shots and everything right. like that. You know, they're big fans of that. So he went and talked to them, and they were in my suite or the suite I was in, not my suite, I should say. Um, And so he walked in and was like, oh, my God, it's Drew Brees. Holy cow. And shook his hand, and he moved right on from me, which is cool because, you know, who the hell am I? So obviously that was fair. But then the director of the Saints social media was in the Twitter suite that I was in as well. And he was like, oh, man. He was like, we got to get you guys together, do a video real quick. We got to do a coach show. That'd be awesome. It'd be hilarious. And I was like, I'm How a little awkward
0: thinking about that for yeah, you. Yeah, I was like,
1: man, <laughs> that would be sweet. Like, I I would love nothing more than that. Trust me, but. Have you asked Drew? <laughs> yeah, I was like, I don't want it. I mean, the dude, look at look at him. People are lining up. They're, they're You know what I mean? Like, it's just crazy. And he was like, no, dude, he's great. He'll be down. He'll want to do it. it. It'll be funny. And I was like, all right, man, whatever. So I'm standing there. He wraps up. Drew Brees wraps up, gets a picture with Dude Perfect. And I'm like, this is the moment of the truth. Here we go. So he's walking towards us. The dude's name is Alex, who r- runs the social media for the Saints. He stops and was like, Drew, man, this is Joey. Drew's like, yeah, I just met him. And, and I talked to him a little bit uh, about how my wife cheated at Purdue. You know, we were for the Boilers, all that kind of stuff. And he was like, oh, yeah, right on. Very, very nice. But then he dropped the line. He was like, hey, we, he does Coach O impersonation. We <laughs> want to get the video of you guys both saying go Tigers. And he was like, oh, really? Okay, yeah, let's do it. I was like, holy cow, this is happening. So... You know he Please gives don't us, voice crack. Please yeah, don't voice I know. Crack. I was like, this is because this is one shot. Oh, I not yeah. retaking this. No, at all. this is
0: not. A, oh, I didn't love that angle. Right,
1: you gotta you gotta nail it on the yeah. first go. So Alex gives us the nod, rip a solid go Tigers, and then and then even Breeze. Breeze was like, great. Yeah, Breeze, I thought. Breeze did a really good job. because yeah. I thought he was just gonna say you know in his voice go Tigers go Tigers you know, right, he, right. He go Tigers, and I was like <laughs> oh that's awesome. But then afterwards, he was cracking up a little bit. He even went in. So not only did I, I first shook his hand, but then after that, we did the little dap up uh, hug. Nice,
0: okay, and that wasn't awkward. Like no, it you was both cool. were like, on the same up, page
1: there. Hug. Good. You were kind of holding for a second. He was like, "Awesome, my man, I love it." I was like, man, I didn't say this, but I was like, I love you. Right. In my head, right. I said
0: that. And then you reached around for a full and then hug. Went, and,
1: then, and then they pulled, no, 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 I didn't do that. But then <laughs> he, you know, I was like, right security, on, Security, security. Yeah, yeah. I was like, right on, man, nice to meet you. And, and, he, and he walked out. But what was funny is that I went out in the hallway because I was trying to charge my phone. He was still out there. And, of course, line of people trying to get him, talk to him, get a picture with him, all that. Finally, at one point, <clears throat> Breeze Br- takes a picture, and then somebody's asking for another one. And he literally just like. Like, he's in the huddle, you know, for the Saints. He just goes... All right, last one. Last one.
0: Like, yeah,
1: he was oh, yeah. letting everybody know, and then last one, and then he just
0: beelined it out of there, right? Because I mean, he's got a son's there; he wants to watch the yeah, game. Yeah, and like,
1: and... I, that's probably normal for him to be able to just say, not feel like a jerk to say, "Hey, last one." Because at some point, yeah, like, sure. it would yeah. go on all night. Like, you have to say, "Hey, guys, that's it. Appreciate it. Over." Exactly.
0: And That's what he did. So it was, it was awesome. That's awesome, man. Well, I'm thrilled for you. Well deserved. I know a lot of our listeners have chimed in on social media. Really happy to see all the attention that you've gotten here over the past Thanks, few man. weeks. And, yeah, uh, we're obviously happy to have you back here on the podcast. I know you're gutting it out today, so hopefully it won't be too bad on today's podcast. For sure. Yeah. What are we going to get into? So uh, I do want to hit into a lot of free agency. Um, you know, today we're recording this on Wednesday morning, January fifteenth. We are two months away from free agency, and you're going to have those inevitable deals kind of trickle out here over the next, you know, few months. Um, You know, Anthony Casanzo decision, you would hope by the end of the month, maybe even sooner than that. Um, So I want to rank the free agents kind of one to 12. The Colts have 12 unrestricted free agents this year. I want to rank them uh, in maybe the most likelihood or um, just kind of my thoughts on whether they should come back, if they're going to come back, those things, get into a little bit of contract extensions as well. Uh, I I guess before we hop into that, um, thoughts on the playoffs? so far dude i've loved them loved i, them. I think
1: it's been Absolutely entertaining. I mean, even games that are kind of blowouts, it's still like the titan, Titans beating the hell out of the Ravens. where sure. people yeah. are like,
0: oh, my God, crazy. Exactly. And and good good on the AFC South. I mean, I know the Houston Texans. Man, can you imagine if you're a Texans and Astros fan right now? Mm. Oof. Yeah. Oof. Rough, rough go. Rough, rough go. Bill O'Brien says thank you, though, to the Houston Astros because <laughs> yeah. um, that was just shit in the bed like none other. Right. And, and you know, what? I feel like we've always said this on the podcast, Joey. The AFC South gets a bad rap nationally, and, and I, I couldn't disagree with that more. And, and obviously some validity is happening here in the postseason, but this division won the most games in football last year. You know, you had a yep. 9-7 and team in sure. Tennessee. I think the Colts were 10-6. and Houston was right around there winning the division. Uh, I mean, just a couple of years ago, Jacksonville makes it all the way to the AFC title game and was... I had a two-score lead on the Patriots in Foxborough in the fourth quarter of that game, so I, I feel like what this division maybe has lacked is the elite team that can make a run in January. But from a one-to-four depth and parity standpoint, find me another division. Yeah. Yes, this year you could say the NFC West, but you know, NFC South maybe a couple of years ago. But again, from a one-to-four depth standpoint, this division is very legit, and I think what has separated Jacksonville and Tennessee specifically from making these separate runs to the AFC title here in the last few years is just the elite, elite element to either the offense or the defense. For Jacksonville, it was their defense a couple years ago um, and what they were able to do against Buffalo, and then their offense came out of nowhere and beat your Steelers in the divisional round. Mm -hmm. But then what you have with Tennessee this year it's just a running game that, when the Colts think they have an elite running game, no, 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 Tennessee has an elite run game. Oh, yeah. Because if you look at the Colts and against the three, they played three defenses this year that were top 10 rushing defense teams. New Orleans, Tampa, I want to say Oakland was the other one. All three games under, like, 85 yards rushing. I think one of them 40, one of them 60, one of them, like, 85. 85. And, again, that is where you can have a strength as your rushing offense. It can be a very good rushing offense. But to be elite, you're doing what Tennessee's doing. Oh, yeah. And that's in the three most critical games of the season. Derrick Henry has looked like Jim Brown. Right. So,
1: literally winning games because of that.
0: Literally. Um, I'm excited for Sunday, obviously. Uh, I, I'm going to take both the underdogs to cover. Um probably want Green Bay, Kansas City, but that's just because I'm a sucker for the quarterback storyline in the Super Bowl. You know, I'm, I, I kind of want that Super Bowl-wise, but San Francisco's damn good up front.
1: Yeah. Damn good up front. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, Kansas City, Green Bay, that's like, it would be fitting. I mean, the NFL is already losing their minds thinking about on the 100th anniversary yeah. Kansas City and Green Bay. Oh, from a historical first, standpoint. First yeah. Super Bowl coming here Great to this point. one. I mean, that that would be – we'd be worn out by by the post game of Sunday night, but that would be really, really fun.
0: Yeah, that, that definitely would be. So, yeah, it, it'll be fun to uh, get into that a little bit more in the offseason, but let's uh, hit on a lot of free agency stuff today.
1: Yeah, we'll start. You have it up on 107.5thefan.com, ranking the Colts 2020 free agents to bring back – here about two months from now when we get underway with that. And you have to start first and foremost up front with the left tackle, Anthony Costanzo.
0: And again, this is a ranking, 1-12, to 12, the most important free agents in-house to bring back. Um, Anthony Costanzo should be 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 on this list. Uh, Joey, it, it's I, I think we said it before the start of the season, there's not a position on the roster where you drop more from quality of your starter to your backup than left tackle. And when you think about it like that, it just adds the importance of how much Anthony Casanzo means That's including to quarterback, you. too. Oh, yes. Yeah. Without a And honestly, some might argue even if Andrew Luck was quarterback. Like, the drop-off from Luck to Jacoby Bursette, sure, it, it is not as drastic as Anthony Casanzo to LaRaven Clark. Yep. Raven Clark didn't play in a single game this year. Like, I mean, like, how many times do you see a backup tackle in this league not even play one th- You know, play special teams. Something to that effect. So... There are two main reasons why Costanzo means so much. Obviously, the first reason is him as a player. You don't have to help him. He's reliable. He's durable. And the at no point throughout the course of a regular season does your game plan prep during the week be like, all right, how much attention do we give the left tackle this week? Mm-hmm. You know, okay, Doyle, you're going to stay in and chip on, you know, of the plays, and Marlon Mack, you're going to do that. No, no, no. You don't do that with Anthony Casanzo. And then secondly, why it's such a crystal clear number one for me, Joey, is how do you find the next guy there? Today's NFL, no one hits free agency. That's a quality left tackle. Same thing with a draft, or um, same thing via trade. And if you're drafting a guy, it's just difficult in college football with how the spread offenses have really kind of taken over the Saturday game it's no guarantee that when you draft that left tackle, he's going to come in here and be a you know day one starter for you and, and give you the sort of of reliability that Anthony Casanzo has. So yeah, it, it's clearly him at number one. And you mentioned huge drop off. He'd be one, two, three, four,
1: five. So when you go down to number two, looking at Devin Funchess, definitely not up there on the, the same amount of importance.
0: It, exactly. When you see number two, Joey, I would say like ninety percent of the years. If you're gonna rank your most important free agents in house, your number two guy, you would definitely bring back. Like that's just kind of how mm-hmm. free agency works. You want to retain your own. With Funchess, though, it's just. I think we have to keep in mind this is a two way street, mm-hmm. and, and I I feel like I made it pretty clear on last week's podcast, like they should be looking into, Devin Funchess, pretty heavily to bring back like. It's not a great free agent class in the wideout group. Just because the guy shattered his collarbone, does that all of a sudden mean you're totally gonna write him off? Like I I, I don't think that necessarily. But again, this is a two-way street. Does Funches want to come back? Um, you know, him and Jacoby Brissett at times in the offseason didn't seem like they were, you know, peanut butter and jelly per se. Mm-hmm. So that's something to keep in mind. And also, I think we have to look at this. Funches was originally a second round pick, four year deal in Carolina, you know, very inconsistent there. He comes to Indianapolis on a one year deal, thinking that Andrew Luck's going to be his quarterback and knowing that that is a contract prove it year. And if with luck you have a big year, boom, you're, you're signing three or four year, whatever, $12 million deal somewhere else. Mm-hmm. At 25, 26 years old, does he want another prove it deal? Does he want it with Jacoby Brissett potentially as a starting quarterback? Like those are all factors that I think we have to look at. But I mean, you're talking a big-bodied wideout. That's something that you need. So I and that's why I don't write it off just just yet. Number three, we're gonna flip it over
1: to the defensive side of the ball. First defender here on your uh, list of twelve, and that's Jabal Sheard.
0: You know, and this is a. Once we get to three, Joey, the order could really fluctuate a lot. So let's not fret too much over it. I, I am probably more in the Sheard camp than most. Um, why am I that high on Sheard? A couple of reasons. He gives you presence on early rundowns that your young defensive ends don't currently um, have. And then secondly, there's the veteran leadership aspect that – it might not mean as much to me as it does to Chris Ballard, but it means a whole lot to Chris Ballard. I mean, mm-hmm. he is, he does not, you know, he is very adamant that veteran leadership is a huge component that this defense lacked act last season. Sheard isn't the most vocal guy, but he leads by example. Um, so those are reasons why I would bring back Sheard on a short-term deal. I'm not saying anything more than one or two years because he's 30 years old. Having said that, if you're going to tell me that the Colts can upgrade – with a three-down defensive end in free agency, then I'm all for it. But, you know, Sheard is a guy that let's just not take him for, for granted here. Why does Sheard feel like he's, like, 37 years old? <laughs> he's only 30. 30, I know. It just
1: fe- I don't know why it is. But it feels like he's much older than Yeah, he, so. yeah,
0: he does feel like that. Yeah.
1: All right, this starts the run on the offensive lineman here uh, at number four with Joe Haig.
0: Yeah, we're going to go Joe Haig, LaRaven Clark, Josh Andrews in that order, four, five, six. Haig, uh, and I guess I should first off, all of these guys would come back as backups. You know, I, I, I'm not saying any of them. You know, I know some people are clamming for Joe Haig and Mark Lewinsky to compete for the right guard job. I don't really see it happening. Um, but still, Haig is a key reserve. And just because you are incredibly durable on the O-line doesn't mean we should overlook these guys. I mean, you're one or two injuries. You're a normal NFL season away from having to rely on these guys in a big way. For me, with Haig, he fills multiple spots. Um, That's key. He was kind of your sixth jumbo tackle sort of guy this year. Now, the question with Haig, of course, is does he think he can go compete for a starting job somewhere else? So that's something to keep in mind. When you look at Clark, um, (laughs) the caveat would be okay if Anthony Casanzo retires Clark definitely needs to come back you just need bodies purely at left tackle he's at least started a game in the NFL at left tackle for you so that's why I would bring him back Um, again this is purely as a backup competing for a roster spot that's how I would view it but you just need someone over there and then Andrews would be your top interior reserve probably compete with Javon Patterson who's your seventh round pick last year towards ACL back in the spring but Again, uh, these names will probably get overlooked by a lot of people, Joey, but <laughs> you are a normal I mean, your Steelers were banged up on the offensive line this year. You're a you're a normal offensive line season away from needing six and seven and maybe more on your own line. Clayton Gathers is next on the list. He's one of Chris Ballard's favorites, but
1: saw with the pick of Kyrie Willis, you know, kinda kinda went on the back burner a little bit.
0: Exactly. And I'm glad that you mentioned that, Joey, because how you view Clayton Gathers now here in 2020 is different than how you would have viewed him in prior off seasons. You signed him to the one year deal last year and he proved to be healthy. I think he played 14 games. That's pretty good for Clayton Gathers, but Clayton Gathers has got to accept the fact that he's going to be a backup like point blank. That's what you're going to be. Willis took that starting job very early in the year. Gethers really saw his role dwindle. Um, played a little bit here and there but nowhere near what he used to play so he's got to accept that he's going to be a backup and the Colts have got to accept that they have a backup safety that is pretty much on this team for leadership that, that's, that would be his strongest attribute yeah. which again, like you said, Ballard loves him it means a lot to the Colts but that would be the reality and, and you know I always have this kind of two birds on each shoulder, there's a fine balance between leadership and you need that and having too many of those guys. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. it's kind of like, oh, boy. You too need many cooks some- in the kitchen, you got problems. Right, right, right. And it's just too many of guys that are, oh, wow, they sound great on the sidelines and they lead by example. Well, you know, you need some dogs out there that can go play for you. So yep. uh, that's a balance you have with guys like Sheard and uh, Gethers. Number 8, we'll go with Chester Rogers. Prior off-seasons, Joey, this is a guy that was pretty reliable and, and, and pretty needed, I should say, because he was your punt returner and he was your most consistent slot receiver. And now it's like Naeem Hines has really lessened the need to have Rogers a punt returner. And you would think Paris Campbell, if he can stay healthy, would um, would obviously take the slot duty. But I, I still think Rogers on a short-term deal one-year deal to compete for a roster spot isn't the craziest idea in the world. You need depth at wide out. We saw the depth become a big issue this season. Uh, in an ideal world, Chester Rogers would probably not make your football team because you would have proven depth and you would have guys that you think have higher ceilings now that Hines can play punt returner and those sorts of things. But you know, having him on your ninety-man roster to me is is the craziest idea. A guy that came in and had
1: a a spark in the middle of the year, people started to like him a lot, and then fell off a little
0: bit. That's Jonathan Williams. Yeah, how about that, man? Back to back hundred-yard games for Jonathan Williams earlier this season. Um, you know, some people will be like, "Wow, you have a ninth on your list," and I'm like, "He's a fourth running back." It's such a fluid. I mean, is any team in the NFL had the same fourth running back for more than a year? No. Jonathan Williams will be going on year three as the Colts' fourth running back. So um that to me is something to where I, I just look at it and just don't think it's the biggest need in the world. You know, Wilkins and, and Hines and Mac are obviously still on their rookie contracts. Um they when everyone's healthy, they are the top three running backs on this roster. So, you know, Jonathan Williams, I think, is a nice player. But I just don't think it's a oh my gosh, pressing need, you have to bring him back, sort of thing.
1: Saw this last offseason with Dontrell Inman, a little bit of back and forth. Doesn't come back. Bring him back for the last couple of games of 2019. Will we see him in 2020 with the Colts?
0: I don't think so. You know, last year he didn't want to come back here, and it was a lot more of a desperate case for the Colts to want him back, and I just don't – he doesn't help you out on special teams. He's 30 years old. I, I just don't really see um him coming back or the need to bring him back. A couple more here, and these are
1: hot topic ones. KB hot button topic. Adam Vinatieri, forty-seven year old. What's it going to be?
0: I have him eleventh. Um, the Colts might laugh at that, Joey, but I'm sorry. It's 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 just time to move on. It is time to move on. If you don't move on, <laughs> you just have the inevitable question next year of is this it for Vinatieri? Forty-seven years old, battled injuries. You have a kicker in your building now, signed through 2020, mm-hmm. and Chase McLaughlin. Who kicked the football pretty, pretty well. Um, You just never know when injuries are going to rise again. It's just that awkward cloud of, did you make the right decision? You know, is this a, you know, is this a parade? Is this whatever Kobe Bryant and Dirk Nowitzki's last seasons in the NFL? Like, what, what is kind of, or in the NBA? Like, what is that awkward sort of twenty fifth year in the NFL for Adam Vinatieri, which is just an insane number to even think about. But, you know. It's just one of those things where it's like, oh, let's bring Vinatieri back and we'll worry about the future next year. I don't like pushing those things to the back burner. Like I feel like people are like, well, let's just worry about a quarterback in 2021. Well, time is precious in the NFL.
1: Yeah, exactly. I
0: mean, <laughs> delaying the inevitable when there is potentially the right answer waiting for you in the here and now, I don't like that. So that's why I say, let's hang it up. Let's be cordial and let's get Adam Vinatieri one year closer to the Hall of Fame.
1: Last one, and everybody knows the answer to this one, but uh, still feel like worthwhile to
0: touch on. It. Number twelve, Eric Ebron. <sighs> Joey, I felt like we could just we just could have paused and moved into contract extensions. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, when uh, when Chris Ballard says uh, we will probably move on, uh, that says enough. Now, having said that, Joey. He's 12th on the list because I just think it's extremely unlikely. But the need to find a complimentary tight end to Jack Doyle, that's much higher on this list. Like, you, you've created a need. Eric Ebron maybe has created it for yourself. But there is a need now to find a complimentary receiving-like tight end um, with Ebron leaving. But, you know, I i think that one is of my— Moss. That <laughs> is Moss. I, I, I think I'm a college football fan. I, I had no idea Randy Moss was his dad. Yeah. No idea.
1: Randy's in the house. God, Joe yeah. Burrow. Joe Burrow's so
0: good. I Sorry, na- now you have me back on the national Sorry. title game. Three takeaways from the national title game. One, Joe Burrow's a stud. That's one of the greatest seasons in, in college football history. His mobility and his ball placement.
1: Yeah, watching him just move in the pocket is amazing.
0: It's so underrated. Yeah. And I'm not saying that as like, oh, my God, I didn't think the white quarterback was like could scramble. Like, no, I just really didn't know about, about his game. And, that was, and I feel like we didn't really see that until later on in the year where he can make a ton of plays with his legs.
1: I think he's an ex-Joe Montana. Man, that's high praise. Going to the Bengals is going to be hard to reach that, but I, Rick think Venturi, I think he's
0: that good. Rick Venturi texted me yesterday and thinks he's Brady with mobility. Yeah. That ball placement on those deep balls outside the numbers, just... It's ugh. so
1: good. I re- like. I want him to refuse to play for the Bengals because I love Joe Burrow so much and I don't want to
0: have to play him twice a year and not like him. Oh, that's a great point. I forgot about that. Yeah, you're going to see him twice a year. And the Colts fans will see him at Lucas Oil. Colts yeah. host the Bengals next season. Two more things. Targeting rule needs to be rewritten. Shouldn't just be automatic ejection. 15-yard penalty, okay, move, some sort of warning. You know, I heard someone say yesterday... Uh, uh, yellow card, red card. You know, like, oh yeah, yeah, sure. there can be an intent element where you're like, all right, that dude's got to go. Like, Oklahoma guy to Burrow in the, uh, or I think it was to Burrow. No, it was Clyde Edwards hilaire Was it yeah. in the um, semifinal game? And then, obviously, what we saw on Monday night with um, that Clemson linebacker, it looked like he was Eastern European. And then, uh, lastly, I can't wait for Indianapolis to host in two years. Oh, man, yes, yes. Because but- think about that. Like, when you have a Super Bowl, there's still a a large corporate feel to the Super Bowl, and I shouldn't I should ask you because you were just there. But when you're in a national title, there is a crazy absurd fan base that there's a strong likelihood that okay, uh, maybe it'll be IU, maybe it'll be Purdue, maybe it'll be my Irish, but there's a good chance it's probably LSU, Clemson, Alabama, one of those. Oh schools. yeah, one of them is going to probably multiple are going. And be just this. to have that fan base here and witness that, I can't wait.
1: Yeah, and New Orleans is a wild town. It's a historic town. It's a fun town, but I really do think that Indianapolis is. I know that it's made for things like this. It's been proven that it's made for things like this, and and we're gonna kill it in 2022. I I cannot wait. I yeah. Cannot All wait. right. So let's rank in the free agents. Let's get into before Twitter questions, KB. Let's get into talking about uh, some possible contract extensions that we could be seeing this off season.
0: Yeah, and, and you know when you look at that free agent list we just recap, Joey. If Cassanza retires, I don't think we sit here and be like, any of those guys are slam dunk locks to come back. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I just make cases for several of them, but like, there's not this just absolute need. So people are like, well, where are the Colts going to spend their money? Because you know, they have more than 95 million. I think the contract extensions. I would be surprised if we don't see a. I would say at least two. And Ryan Kelly and Marlon Mack would be atop that list. Um, you know, Kelly is playing the final year of that rookie contract. It's the fifth year option, so he is very. He's, I think, he's one of the highest paid centers right now in football because you know the fifth year option it mm-hmm. goes way up for those former first round picks. But he's twenty six years old. He played every game this season for you. Um, Chris Bauard loved that. That was a big, you know, big step for Ryan Kelly to sure. take, and so I, I think an extension for him makes sense. You look at Marlon Mack. Joey, he's 23 years old. That's young. That is really young for a guy going into the final year of his rookie deal. So, yes, there is this hesitancy and 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 I mean, I've expressed it that I'm a bit scared of giving running backs second contracts, but I don't see any reason why a 3-year whatever, 5-6-7 million dollar deal annually doesn't make sense for Marlon Mack. Again, 23 years old. Yeah. That's really, really young for him. Um, he's earned it. He's earned it, exactly. He has earned it as well, and he makes just very cheap money, like 730000 right now. So um, Mac coming back, Kelly coming back. You know, the, the other three names that I've floated around, Hilton, Hooker, and Anthony Walker. Walker, similar to Mac, final year of his rookie deal. There's not a definite need, but... You know, Bobby O'Cariki, Walker and Leonard, that's a nice kind of trio moving forward. So mm. maybe you reward a guy that you really, really like, but again, it's not like a you know it's not like Anthony Walker's going anywhere or breaking the bank. Um, Hooker, no. I don't see it. I think you pick up his fifth year option, but I don't get the impression that Chris Bauard loved what he saw um enough again to give him the extension well before you need to. Because Hooker will play 20 is under contract, and if you pick up that fifth-year option for him this offseason, which you have to do, then he's also under contract for 2021. So I, I would probably go ahead and pick that up, but then you just make sure, all right, it's kind of your pseudo-contract year. How badly do you want that kind of big second contract
1: Yeah, for Hooker? It kind of reminds me of Bud Dupree uh, for the Steelers this past year. Yeah. He was, he was had some moments, was was more disappointing than anything when you know being brutally honest, but then this last year – he pops off, becomes one of the best pass rushers in the league. So what I'm saying is it could be a good thing that coming up in this contract year for hook, for Hooker, you could see one of those classic contract year type of performances. But then that kind of puts you in a, a catch-22. Is that what it's called? Catch-22? Yes. Yeah. So. Where it's like, hey, we're, we're glad that you finally came around, but now we're yeah. going to have to pay you a shit ton of money.
0: And I know that is... That is, yeah, a bit of an awkward situation, and, and it is something that you have to be a little delicate about. But, I just think that you got to try and light a fire under Hooker. Yeah. Um, and you just need a little bit more of, you know, when you take a guy 15th overall, Joey, you expect perennial Pro Bowler, and Malik Hooker hasn't sniffed Pro Bowler in his first three seasons. Now injuries have played into that, other factors, but still, um, that's how I look at that. Hilton is the last one, Joey. Um, you know, he's 30 years old. <laughs> From a leverage standpoint, Rosenha- I think Rosenhaus is agent. Maybe he switched agencies, but I mean, he would have some nice leverage. <laughs> you know, when you talk about the other wideouts on your roster, and he's making a lot this year in his final contract, one of the higher paid wideouts. But, um, you know, I, I don't think it's a must by any means, but. You know, it might be something you do. It might be something the Colts don't want to do with with how the injuries have played out for Hilton over the last couple of years. Uh, But he's another name that you you need to start thinking about as well. Because if he does have, you know, three or four more good years left in him, then extending him would make a lot of sense.
1: You want to hop into some Twitter questions?
0: Yes, let's get into
1: them. All right, let's go with Wake Spike. Um, Man, I just almost two years of doing this. We just keep getting crazier and crazier Twitter names on here. It says hey KB is the AFC South transforming from the garbage division
0: to the new NFC North. It's good. I mean, I I don't know. I feel like I'm a I feel like I'm a, a picketer at a rally kind of with my AFC South cardboard sure. sign up, but there's depth and there's parity. There might not be elite like perennial championship contender, but there's depth and parity and honestly I'd rather have, well, would you rather be in the AFC East or the AFC South? And, and I guess, let's say more, um, let's say NFC West. Because I think Kansas City is going to be a team for the next five to ten years that you're going to have to deal with. Wait, wait, wait. So, AFC West or AFC South? Yeah. Would you rather be in a division filled with depth and parity or rather in a division where you're probably always going to play second fiddle, but you know the third and fourth teams are terrible?
1: Depth of parity, because I feel like, you know, with a Kansas City or with a New England, you want to win the division. You want to have the best shot to win the division, right? Which is fair, because that you know you get a home playoff game. Everybody knows yeah. uh, you know what goes along with that. So I, I would go with yeah. the AFC South, just because sure you're going to have tougher battles, but I feel like you have a better chance to win the division.
0: And I and I hear you out there. I also look at AFC West and think to myself, okay, if I can go four zero in those other divisional games, split against Kansas City, potentially then I not only have a strong wild card resume because the division's easy, but I have a chance to maybe sneak in and win win the division. Whereas you're in the AFC South, you can go to this law where, you know, if the Colts miss the playoffs next year, what is that, five of six years missing the playoffs? I mean, that's a long time for this franchise. So I I can hear you out on both, but I just think depth and parity, those are elements that can make a division good. Just because you don't have the team that's holding up the – Lombardi Trophy doesn't mean your division isn't good or has strong qualities.
1: Yeah, it's like, you know, would you rather have a report card that has an A and then the rest are C and C pluses or a report card that's just a solid yeah. 89% all the way through? Yeah. I, you know, you can't go wrong with uh, the the second one there. Uh, give me the 89%, man. Yeah. For I'll sure. Be, I'll be happy. All right, from uh, David, thinking about Costanzo, if he does in fact decide to retire, would moving up to get Tua, a lefty quarterback, be a higher priority? Would at the very least switch his blind side from left tackle to right tackle? Just a random thought at work and wonder what you thought.
0: Yeah, that is random, David. Um, Sorry to your work and the pr- productivity that, <laughs> that that business is getting from you. But uh, in all seriousness, it, it, it's a good question. When I was filling in last week on the Fan Morning Show, um, something that Big Joe Stazniak and I talked about, I don't think all of a sudden it, it lessens the importance or adds the importance too much. I mean, Joey, you still drafted Braden Smith at pick 37, and that's your right tackle, quote-unquote, You know the tackle that you don't need to invest in as much when you have the right-handed quarterback. So I think in today's NFL, man, it's just something where you need to – you probably got to invest top 40, top 50 picks to really have two quality tackles. So I, I, I don't think it makes a huge
1: difference. From J.J., Says so realistic view for the Colts. Gregson GM record thirty-eight and twenty-six fired. Ballard record twenty-one and twenty-seven. How long is the honeymoon? Team has many holes, no quarterback, few stars. Building from within, twenty-one and twenty-two starters can't build a winner. Adding two to three good and one great player yearly.
0: JJ. JJ's been on the train of of of, of Ball- Yeah, for yeah. for a little. She's bit. one of those burner accounts. Those Mrs. Gregson burner accounts know, no, out there. Know. Um, you know what? I think the really interesting part to that question, and when you look at a win-loss resume, that does speak for itself to a degree. Now, there are factors that have been weighed in, and the fact that Andrew Luck was gifted to you with a number one overall pick might be the biggest factor. Having said that, the Ballard honeymoon part is the interesting element. How much did Andrew Luck's retirement extend the leash on Chris Ballard? Yeah, how much? I mean, I mean, I mean, mean, did it?
1: uh, Did it not? But but that's where it's like, as well, you know, the first year you kind of had that. Well, we're gonna, you know, send Chuck off. That's just kind of a wash year, too, right? Then luck retires in year three,
0: kind of a wash year as well. How so, many wash? You know, I how mean, many of those? Yeah, right,
1: right. right. It's so a let, tough balance.
0: Let's say you take a quarterback in the first round this year. Is that another wash year as the quarterback gets and up maybe, to speed? You know, maybe
1: Chris Bowers just figure out a great way of job <laughs> of job security.
0: Just create a bunch of wash years. So that's the awkward sort of position that you get in. Like, okay, if you miss the playoffs three out of four years, is the seat not a little bit warm? You know, it, it's I. I think it should be warm, obviously. Um, uh, you know, I think when you miss the playoffs three out of four years and you and you say it's not about one player, but then your record when that one player is gone is what it is. You know, yeah. if you take out the ten and six year with luck, it's four and twelve and it's seven and nine. So I think that's why this is a critical, critical offseason and year that comes with it. Off season hot seat talk, baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love right. it. <laughs> Again, Ballard and Reich are on no hot seat and Reich. You know, probably shouldn't be on it really at all. But I think when you start looking ahead, I don't think Andrew Luck's retirement all of a sudden means these two guys get free passes for the next five years. Like, I, 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 I don't think that. I think that you need to start seeing some tangible results that get this team back into the postseason very, very soon. All right, from uh, Mocha says,
1: Kevin, we'll love to see what you think of Anthony Gordon. I coach football and have recently watched video of him in release, delivery, and touch are amazing. We'll love him in the second or third with wide receiver at 13.
0: Yeah, this is the Washington State guy, the guy that uh, took over for um, for Gardner last year. I, I watched him in that bowl game, and I do love, love his release and obviously put up big numbers, a really high completion percentage, which I know is attractive um, to a lot of NFL teams at Washington State. The question comes from Joey, that was it. He was a one-year starter in college, and you know how does he project? You know, on a little bit of a bigger, more m- bigger scale slash yeah. more of a uh, more of a sample size. He's going to the Senior Bowl, I'm pretty sure, um, and so I'm eager to watch the Senior Bowl practices and get a little bit of a read. But you know, I, I think there are a lot of people out there, a lot of fans that are kind of resigned to the fact of like, hey. um, I feel like the Colts are going to take a quarterback in the second or third round. Like, they aren't going to go for the juicy, juicy, but they're going to get somebody to to develop, and Gordon, I think, is a name to watch.
1: Uh, continuing with the quarterbacks here from Brian, outside of Bro and Tua, who do you think is the best quarterback available for the Colts to draft, assuming Justin Herbert drops?
0: Yeah, um, you know, I, I know this seems to be kind of the popular theme as of late, but I, I am very intrigued by the tools that, that Jordan Love brings. And I guess where I am intrigued by that, it comes from the fact of what I really want in a quarterback is can you make the plays that are low percentage, off script, those sorts of things. And I think Love brings that more than maybe – like more than Fromm or Eason, I, you know, Herbert – He's a guy that I think you need to do your homework on as well. But and now, of course, the big factor with Love is okay, you know, Utah State now to the NFL. I mean, what was the biggest crowd he played in at Utah State was LSU. Half the size. Well, yeah, and biggest home crowd he played in was about one tenth the size of LSU spring game. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, and, and he struggled mightily in those big games. Now he had a ton of turnover in the coaching staff and personnel offensively. This past season, but you know, you go back and you know, just for an easy watch, or maybe some of some of our fans, listeners have watched it. You go back and watch that bowl game. I mean, he makes some great, great throws. A lot of balls on on target. His accuracy and his ability to again fit the ball into some more of a low percentage windows. That's that's attractive to me. From Cody, uh,
1: what's your most
0: unpopular Colts opinion? Ooh. Well, it used to be that Costanzo sucks. Isn't that wasn't that kind of a popular? But that wasn't yours. No, no. Do I have one? I have an unpopular one. Yeah. What's what's your most oh, unpopular? Oh, I gotcha, gotcha. Um, I think the culture where alternate unis one game every year.
1: And what what would those look like? More than the blue on blue. Yeah, rush?
0: more on. Yeah, more than that. Um. I'm not sure if NFL rules mandate it, but can you wear the little uh Bucking Bronco helmet? I think you wore those in the Thanksgiving game.
1: You're only allowed to have one helmet now.
0: Are you really only allowed yeah. to have one? Well, one helmet color. So you could change the, the decal on it. But gotcha. Okay. And the yeah. color's obviously white. Um I, I would I would change up again, change up the unis one game per year. Unis, I guess you can't do helmet. But yeah, what I, I, I get that their their traditional jerseys and all of that. That's fine and well. I'm not I'm not saying you need to go freaking Jacksonville Jags and have a jersey unveiling every year. But change it up once yeah. a year. Falcons get new uniforms. Saw that. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be good. I, I feel like that would create some I don't know, create some interest. Sure. Uh from our guy Yash T. Uh, he
1: says, Hey guys, much love as always. My question is how much did Frank cater his offense to Brissett? You saw the difference in Baltimore last year versus this year. It was Lamar running Joe Flacco offense versus one built for him. Do you think the Colts will change anything in scheme?
0: Well, I I don't think it's going to be an overhaul, Yash, uh, to be honest with you. I mean, Jacoby and Andrew are similar in a lot of areas. It's not like you're going from Joe Flacco to to Lamar Jackson. I mean, that's one of the bigger, more drastic quarterback differences you can have. So, um. Yeah, I, I don't expect anything too big. I mean, we saw late in the year he trying to do a little bit more up up tempo stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's only I mean, we've got to remember Jacoby Brissett took every single rep with a starting offense throughout the offseason. Mm-hmm. Like this yep. offense was tailored to him. They knew full well what he liked, what he what he didn't like, things like that. You're not gonna overhaul it because A, you made the tweaks last year, and B. You know, this is Frank Reich's scheme, and it's not like Jacoby Brissett's going to come out and run a 4 four forty tomorrow. This here's from Country
1: Boy Eddie. I don't think the Bengals would consider any trade for Burrow, but how likely do you think it is
0: Miami would trade down? Ooh, Miami. <sighs> would you trade down when you already have two other picks in the first round? Don't they have three picks in the first round? Yeah. I wouldn't. Um... I mean, I would take that stud right there at five, six, or seven, and know full well you're going to get two big time starters, <laughs> you know, coming up there later in the first round. So, um, yeah, that's kind of my kind of my thought process. But you know, a team that, the um, teams that I could see just possibly trading down, if Carolina falls back in love with Cam Newton, if the Chargers fall back in love with Philip Rivers. Detroit at three with Stafford. Um, You know, if you have a a quarterback that, like, especially if you're the Chargers or if you're the Lions, you feel like you got to win now, and you have a small window with your quarterback. You know, if you can trade back and get maybe two picks in the first or second round and get two starters for you that you plug in and play day one, that could help you out big time.
1: Yeah. From Casey with a K. Is Darius Leonard now the best linebacker in football with the shocking retirement of Luke keekley about that? Got off my flight last night and was like, whoa. Yeah, boy, I was watching
0: um, Final Jeopardy leading into the Democratic debate, and um, I saw that and said, I'm so glad I don't cover the Panthers. Uh. That was my first thought, which I know is the wrong thought. Um, our high school played Luke Kuechly in, uh, in high school, St. X, Cincinnati, and that dude made 37 tackles in the game. He's unreal. Yeah. Stud. Hall of Fame debate. To me, longevity means something. I know, I mean, unbelievable player. Unbelievable player in the eight years, but I just think there's got to be a longevity element that that impacts the Calvin Johnsons, the Luke Keekleys. But if they call off the dogs
1: themselves, you know, it's different if it's like in the last four years, they're kind of injury battle. you know what I mean?
0: It, and this is no disrespect to Keekley or Luck or, or Calvin Johnson, but... You have to make sacrifices to play the game of football. And part of those sacrifices, to me, if you're going to be a Hall of Famer, Hall of Famer, this is the exclusive David Baker who looks like he has eaten all the bust in the Hall of Fame. Like, this is an exclusive company. To me, I feel like, and I hate to put a threshold on it, but I think you got to get to 10 years.
1: Hmm. Even if you're, you know, what, a six-time All-Pro uh, ah, defensive player yeah. of the year in those I eight hear years? I
0: and that's what Keekly was, right? No, yeah, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, I don't know, man.
1: Maybe I'm totally wrong. Candle that burns, you know, bright and hot, or a candle that burns long, you
0: know. And, yeah. Uh, wow. Gosh, sounds like a Yankee candle ad that I used to buy my mom <laughs> for Christmas. Great call there. Um, I don't know. I'm probably wrong, but that's just my.
1: Opinion. No, I feel you. I mean, it's Leonard. always going to be a topic of discussion with that.
0: Uh, Leonard, best linebacker in the league. I would. Yes,
1: aren't those Seattle linebackers kind of getting old? Yeah, I feel like we're hearing less and less about Bobby Wagner.
0: Yeah. Um, Let me pull up the all-pro team from this year. I know Eric Kendricks made it over... um, Yeah, Minnesota's got some... Made it over Leonard this year, and some people were not too pleased about that here locally. God, it's taking forever for, for me to find this.
1: And he's definitely... Top three, top two. Yeah, Bobby I mean,
0: Wagner, Demario Davis, and Eric Kendricks were the three linebackers on the All-Pro team this year. First team, second team was Keekly, Leonard, T.J. Watt. I guess you do label Watt as a linebacker. Yeah, that's. Um. Yeah, Leonard is probably the best off-ball linebacker. T.J. Watt is going to be a great. I think Watt <laughs> edge was, rusher. but he was
1: first team pass rush, second team. Oh, good call, edge rusher first yeah. team as
0: well. God, jeez, it's yeah. so weird. So was Christian McCaffrey. He was first team flex and first team running back.
1: Flex, wow, that makes sense though. Yes, right. Leonard is. Yeah, yeah. Is. Uh, from Joshua Sutton, does Ballard bend his best player available mentality during this draft with regards to potentially selecting a quarterback at thirteen? Generally, quarterbacks aren't the best player available when selected in the first round.
0: Yeah, I mean it goes back to the stat we talked about earlier in the show, Joey. I do think you have to bend your philosophy a little bit with with a quarterback. And I think deep down, you know, Ballard says you can't force a quarterback. He means that I think from the standpoint of if you kinda like a guy, you don't mortgage your draft to trade up for him. But if you love a guy do it. you know you have yep. to do it. Patrick so Mahomes it. that's where yes, exactly. On the on the Mahomes front. So that's where I think Ballard would be willing to make a move for quarter for quarterback. As much as he says it's not about one position, I think deep down he knows that if you want your guy, you can't just sit there at thirteen and be like, Okay, well, we're on the clock. Huh, there's our quarterback. Yeah. For sure, Uh, from Brett
1: Stockglauzner, what does the 2021 quarterback class look like after Trevor Lawrence? 13 seems like the worst possible place to be this year for trying to draft a new franchise QB. You
0: know, and that goes back to my kicker thing. Okay, are you just delaying the inevitable? And you know, Lawrence, obviously Justin Fields, I assume from Ohio State, will go pretty high. Um, I mean, outside of that, I'd be lying to you. Of I mean, hell. Yeah. Take Ian Book in the seventh round. We're not that addicted um, to mock drafts. And, you know, a lot of these guys kind of come out of nowhere, too. Um, you know, the Gordon kid out of Washington State. I know Texas Ellinger, his quarterback, that quarterback, I feel like is is pretty high. Um, but again, it's a lot of passing of the torch at Oregon and at Oklahoma and LSU. Um, so, yeah, I don't think it's loaded by any means, but that's something that will merge. So I, I I get the question. I understand it, Brissett's under contract for another year, but again, then are you pushing back the timetable a little bit more of now twenty twenty one becomes a year of here's your rookie quarterback and, and you're gonna struggle a little bit and now are you following up seven and nine with eight and eight and following up eight and eight with six and ten or seven and nine again? Like if you if you can find the guy in twenty twenty, in my opinion, I think you gotta do everything you can to go get him. From Cody Fowler.
1: Uh, would you extend Marlon Mack? He says, I would not. Good player, based mainly on speed, already injury concerns. Spend the money on the line and go get another third fourth round running back. I feel like that's the one position that does grow on trees. He's good, but replaceable for a lot cheaper.
0: You know, the thing about it, Cody, and obviously people have heard my opinion, I'm I'm team draft a running back in the fourth round every year, but I do think Mack is different in the fact that he's just 23 years old, which is, again, very young for a running back. And you're not breaking the bank by giving Marlon every year extension. Mm -hmm. Not at all. You front load it, you move on, you know, when Wilkins reaches the end of his rookie deal or whatever, then you go draft that other running back in the fourth round. So I don't, I, you know, Mac proved this year to be a fluky broken hand was the only time he missed. So that was a big box to, to check there. Um, So I, I know that I am, I mean, you guys know full well, I'm a big fan of drafting running backs on a pretty much an annual basis. But Marlin does have some attributes to where I think he still has a couple of a couple of you know productive years at not a crazy price. You're not giving him Zeke money or whoever here. You can still make do and have plenty of cap space to retain one of your own
1: uh, from Jake Wardell. how triggered will Colts fans be when Ballard trades down from thirteen? Ooh uh,
0: Uber triggered? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, the utmost. Yeah, trading back from 13 would be – you imagine we traded out of the first round. (laughs) Again. Yeah, yeah, they will be uber-triggered. Man, that's going to be, boy, three months away, man. Yep. In Vegas. Wild. Uh, From
1: Benji, Rock seemed to score well with PFF even after a rough start. Can he be a lockdown corner
0: for the foreseeable future? Secondly, how high will the Colts draft a tight end? Big year for Rock next year. Uh, Moments uh, of good to better than good play at corner but some some struggles as well. I, I can't say that with confidence that he's going to be a lockdown corner until I see the technique clean up because that was just just too grabby um you know at, at the point of attack when receivers were breaking out of their, their their breaks and things like that. How high do you draft the tight end? I think you draft the tight end before round 5. So first four rounds. You know like I feel like Baltimore, all those guys are taking, like, in the third or fourth round. Mm-hmm. Andrews and Boyle and Hur- Hal Hurst might have been even higher. Um, so, yeah, I think kind of third, fourth round sweet spot. Maybe fourth round. That would be my sweet spot.
1: Pacers fan in Cincy says, if 50,000 Colts fans sign a petition to trade all of our picks to the number one pick for Joe Burrow, do you think at Jim Irsay would have to consider it? <laughs>
0: Can you imagine if that's how companies ran ran the yeah, show? I was gonna say I don't really think he gives a damn to be honest. If I get sixty thousand retweets, I don't have to take this <laughs> final in my, you know, trigonometry. Twitter, class. do your thing. Right. <laughs> um boy, I I like the idea, outside the box idea, but I don't think that'll happen. Oh, what would it take to get Burrow?
1: Man, a lot. Um and would it take? First three picks, first rounder next year. I was going to say, yeah. Uh, you know, maybe want uh, a player that's already, you know, all on right, the squad right, right. right now.
0: Yeah. It would take a lot, man. And obviously Cincinnati uh, has no reason to trade out of that pick. So that only adds to the package. Uh, from
1: Zach Gibson, would you be shocked if Ballard doesn't draft a quarterback until late, if at all? His latest comments on you can't force the evaluation make sense. I'd rather wait for a guy on a year to year basis and build the roster over watching the Texans win the division for the next five years.
0: He'd rather.
1: He'd rather take like the 49ers route.
0: Gotcha. Than watch the Texans win the division for the next five years.
1: Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. I'd
0: like, rather, uh, rather
1: take the 49ers route than like the. Bears are out, I guess. I don't know.
0: Gotcha. Okay. I don't totally follow that. Um, I, but I, I can hear you out on the, if you don't have your guy in round one, address other areas. And certainly if Costanza retires, Joey, I mean, you know, you know full well that adds left tackle to be a huge, huge need for this football team that you feel like has to be addressed at pick 13 or 30, or, um, yeah, 34, I think is where you pick again with Washington. So, um, Yes, it's just, you know, again, delaying the inevitable at the most important position on your roster.
1: From David, why do you think only two free agents were signed last offseason? Did Ballard not see a lot of value on the open market? Do you believe his approach will change this offseason, especially to up the depth chart?
0: Yeah, I just don't think he saw a lot of value outside of Houston and Funches. You know, they were in on uh, C.J. Mosley and Landon Collins, Um, but when those asking prices got to where they were – Uh, that's what happened. You know, the Jets and the Redskins took care of those. I think what you're seeing with Ballard, and I don't know how much I harp on this last week, but I'll harp on this a lot over the next few weeks, Joey. He was disappointed himself for not providing enough depth to his roster this year. He was disappointed himself on not having enough veteran leadership on the defensive side of the ball. Okay. How do you change that? you go out there and make sure you have more quality football players, especially in the leadership element. And free agency is is a big area where you can try and address that. So that's where I sit here and think to myself, I don't expect Bauer to do anything crazy, but I expect a little bit more of an uptick if he's gonna back up the disappointed kind of aspects of his own job that he looks back on of this season. Uh, from Ryan Bowen
1: when does Joey become so famous he refuses to come on Kevin's corner anymore <laughs>
0: classic uh big brother Good yeah ryan here a r- bit. ryan isn't isn't the same one i had a, i'm in a betting group that yeah we we pretty much donate money to charity uh, in the <laughs> betting group but uh yeah they were saying you know kevin is gonna be you know getting joey's luggage when he comes off the plane back back from new orleans
1: that's you know people have been been having fun with with things like that with you but (laughs) in, in all honesty kb kevin's corner first first one to give me a real shot you know and to be able to be a part of something that is uh good and cool and on the air here so always in debt indebted to to you and Kevin's corner
0: well I appreciate that and you know the feelings mutual and, and I think in all seriousness it's been very very cool to see the growth of this podcast yes um the growth that you know I've been able to get into more on-air opportunities at the station and then mm-hmm. also to see your growth and that I don't know if our fans know this but you know you co-hosted or pretty much hosted along with Taylor Tannenbaum a um a College football show every Saturday morning in the fall. Yep, and again, just a terrific opportunity because in our industry, there are not a lot of on-air positions in big markets that go to people that are of our age or have our experience yep. or lack thereof. So I think it, I think it's really really cool that our station has granted that, and, and you know, selfishly um, and humble brag that we have created some of those opportunities ourselves as well. So. The podcast is going to keep on going, and then when Joey moves on, we will uh, we will weep, we, and we will weep for an hour and move on. We podcast.
1: got, uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's just, it's very belichick and, you know, <laughs> we're on, on the next thing, but an uh, uh, exciting thing in 2020, I uh, haven't talked to you about it yet, but figured why not. One thing we're going to be looking into is getting a, um, a video pod up that actually features your face. Oh, uh, nice. So, you know, we put the video pod up on YouTube, that's the audio. But one thing we're really going to try to tackle here uh, in the off season, leading up into the next Colts season, a little is camera action having, back having in camera here, camera action to where you know maybe you'd be able to interact with folks who are commenting live, and they'd actually be able to watch the video podcast, cool, if they want. So I love it. Still, still to come for yeah. sure.
0: I'll make sure to shave, get the haircut. We'll be good. <laughs>
1: From John, depending on who's on the board at thirteen, which do you think is a bigger need, wide
0: receiver or D tackle? D tackle. Wideout's really deep. Um, I know that's not flashy, but yeah, you know you hear Ballard talk about how important that three technique is for this defense. That's where I'll go with that. And I'm not—I don't want to underestimate the wideout need. I think it's a huge need. But I mean, look at this year. How many quality second-round wideouts, third-round wideouts did we see produce from day one? Yeah, a whole lot.
1: Yeah, I'm calling my shot right now. Three months out, Colts are taking Derek Brown from Auburn. Thirteen, Ooh, I like that.
0: He's been popping a name, the Kenlaw kid from South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Derek Brown falling, I think, would be maybe more of a surprise. But um, I think either of those players would. I just I just asked Chris Ballard, just I can see him all over. It. Yeah, yeah, for sure.
1: Uh, from Jared, what positions do you see Ballard addressing in free agency versus the draft? What position do you see him taking with the first four picks? Here's my prediction: one QB, two. Interior defensive line, three corner or edge, for wide receiver. Could also see Thaddeus Moss in Indy. Yes, sir.
0: <laughs> uh, love love it. Um, free agency positions. I, I mean, tight end is a position, possibly. Um, you know, I think wide out, you know, whether that's retaining Funches or going out there and getting a wide out. I mean, I know Amari Cooper is a pipe dream, but, you know, there are a couple of names at wide out. There's not a lot of depth in that group. Offensive tackle, I think if you're going to address that outside of the draft, it'd have to be via trade. You know, Kelvin Beecham, um, maybe DJ Humphreys. There's just not a lot of names that 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 would secure that. Um, so outside of Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback, I think all of those positions, besides left tackle, you could probably address to some degree in free agency. I still think wide out you need to supplement that in the draft as well, because you got to have one eye looking forward. We know what free agent wideouts have done here, and you have to have one eye looking forward uh, to life after T.Y. Hilton. Ryan
1: asks, which is your preference, uh, Jordan Love or Jacob Eason, and where would you draft each, or is there another quarterback out there?
0: Probably love more than Eason. I, I still want to do a little bit more homework on Eason. Uh, I haven't done as much that, that I would like. So I would just go that route. Um, and honestly – I might be in the minority, but I would take—I I would not be waiting on a quarterback until round two. I just think that's such a delicate, delicate situation.
1: Um, Agreed.
0: We're seeing more teams trade up for quarterbacks. We're seeing more teams draft quarterbacks high when they think they already have that guy. Yep. Or they have a competent guy. So, I know it might not meet what the draft board says, but quarterback needs to be in its own little board.
1: Yes, for sure. It's, you're right. Separate board, without a doubt. Uh, from MacMia Sandwich, if we end up signing a veteran free agent at quarterback, what wideout do you look at at
0: 13th overall? Uh, Lamb, Judy. Can Jabbar Chase leave LSU early? Man,
1: he's Jeez. so good.
0: Uh, yeah, those are a couple of names. I like that kid from Arizona State, but he won't go that high. Everyone knows I love Chase Claypool, but he's not going to be going that high either. Um yeah, that's probably who I look at there.
1: This is from sporadic regularity. The last four years, ten quarterbacks have been drafted in the top ten. Out of those ten, seven were drafted after their team traded up for them. Two were drafted number one. One was drafted without a trade up by the general manager who hates moving in the draft. Do you expect Ballard to trade up for his quarterback?
0: Was that was that the Giants with Daniel Jones that they trade up? Uh I Gettleman so. being the GM that hates to move up. Yes, I, I I would probably. Again, it's so hard to know until the board starts falling and you know all the chatter over the next three months and and, and the medicals on Tua. I mean, I think Tua, I think Tua is a damn good quarterback, man. Mm-hmm. I think he's got a lot of NFL attributes. Those medicals would that could be scary, but it sounds like he's gonna have a pro day, which is awesome and gonna throw, uh, which I don't think a lot of people maybe thought of when he first had that injury. So, Joey, I, I would I would be team move up, but. And, I, you know, when you look at those numbers, you think of the quarterback needy teams around the top ten. I don't know how you don't at least entertain it, think about it, make the calls, et cetera. Um, but, you know, when Ballard says not force it, he's he's really got to fall in love with a guy. He really, really has to. I don't, I don't think Chris Ballard is going to panic for a quarterback like some other GMs might.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't. Last one I have here from Aaron. How can Ballard
1: watch the quarterback play this weekend in the playoffs and say, quote, jury is out on Brissett? If he's just giving speak, I get it, but last weekend showed Brissett is several notches below the elite quarterback play you need to be Super Bowl contenders.
0: Yeah, Aaron, I I can't disagree with that. Um, Obviously, I know Tannehill's numbers weren't great, but Joey Tannehill's made some throws. I I think he's the most efficient quarterback in the league (laughs) since he became a starter. Um, you know, his numbers won't wow you in terms of like yards and touchdowns, but he's just makes some important, important red zone, third down late game throws that have won Tennessee football games. Look at the throw he made here. The, the, the deep ball to Raymond, hell the deep ball to Raymond he he had against Baltimore, but that one he had here to kind of ice that game. That was beautiful. So You know, I keep on coming back to this with Jacoby Brissett, Joey. When you hear the Colts describe him, the adjectives they use are toughness, leadership, elusiveness. Are they wrong in those attributes? No. Jacoby has those. Those are strengths. Toughness doesn't throw the football. Leadership doesn't throw the football. Elusiveness doesn't throw the football. it's, It's the... The completion percentage ranking, you know, whatever. I think it was – I looked at these stats a few stories ago, so they're kind of – I kind of forget them. But, you know, he's 60% passer this year. That ranked like 36th in the league, I think it was. Yards per attempt was like 6.5. I think that ranked in the 30s as well, maybe even close to 40. And those are huge, huge stats for Frank Reich and mm-hmm. evaluating quarterbacks. Yeah. So I think when you look at that, uh, that's where I kind of lean towards a move needing to be made. You got anything else? Someone asked about Ed Dodds turning down Cleveland. Um, you know, Ed Dodds has made it pretty clear that he wants one crack of this. You going to tie your wagons to Cleveland?
1: I wouldn't. Shit.
0: Um, that's about all I see, man. That was Vinny, by the way, on that on that so all right man i appreciate you coming back Uh, i love that you had a great time on monday and um god what a cool experience man i was living vicariously (laughs) i can't tell you how many people friends family text me being like you see joey drew Brees picture blah 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 all that stuff video whatever well it was a lot more than just a picture yeah yeah um really really cool and, and excited for you in 2020 and excited for us in 2020 as well oh yeah um thanks man Mm -hmm. Every week, we will have a Colts podcast. I told this to Joey last week. I hope he remembers. I think we're going to do a Pacers podcast tomorrow, if that works for him. Uh, I know it's been a while on that. It won't be anything crazy long, but time for that with Victor Oladipo and a return date coming on that. So He's Joey Monero. I'm Kevin Bowen. Everybody have a great weekend. We'll be back uh, next week for a Colts edition of uh, Kevin's Corner. This has been Kevin Bowen. Thank you for listening to another edition of Kevin's Corner. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for the best Colts and Pacers coverage.